You guys ready? Okay. Council, you ready? Okay. County Minister? Okay. Good evening. My name is Mark. My name is Mark Bogan, and I'm uh, as mayor of Broward County. I'd like to introduce my colleagues on the board of county commissioners: Commissioner Fisher, Commissioner Rich, Commissioner Sharif, Vice Mayor Holiness. I mean Holness, uh, Commissioner Fur, uh, Commissioner Food. I mean Tim Ryan, <laughs> Commissioner Senekanish, uh, Steve Geller, and Commissioner Udine, all here today, ready to talk about the budget. Uh, tonight, the Broward County Board of Commissioners will conduct public hearings on the proposed millage rates, budgets, and special assessments that will support county services during fiscal year 2020. This is the first of two public hearings as required by law. The purpose of the hearing is to receive comments regarding the county's budget, tax rates, and special assessments, and to provide information on the budget and proposed amendments. The public hearings will be conducted in three sections. The first section will include public hearings on countywide and Broward Municipal Service District, area millage rates, and budgets. The second section includes public hearings on proposed special assessments for fire and garbage collection in Broward Municipal Service District area. And the third section will include public hearings on the millage rates and the budgets for the county-dependent water control districts. An agenda listing all of the items to be discussed and the order of the items is available at the entrance. If you are interested in addressing the Board of County Commissioners about an item on the agenda, please register with the county staff member at the entrance. Can they call 311? No. Okay. Please register only here or the register with the county staff member at the entrance. Uh, county staff is also available at the entrance to answer questions about the county's budget and taxes. If anyone has questions about property value assessment or exemptions, the property appraisers staff is available in room 111 on the first floor of this building from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. The last day to file an appeal with the Value Adjustment Board to challenge your assessment is September 18th. With that introduction, let's begin. Aggregate millage rate. The fiscal year 2020 tax rate certified for the notice of proposed property taxes result in a 4.75% aggregate increase in property taxes when compared with the taxes generated from the aggregate rollback rate. The rollback rate generates approximately the same amount of taxes at the, as the prior fiscal year, plus taxes generated from new buildings added to the tax roll. The aggregate millage rate of 5.5204, comma, as compared to an aggregate rate rollback of 5.2700, includes all ad valorem taxes levied by the county and its dependent districts except for voted debt service taxes. This aggregate millage rate is the basis for the state required advertisements concerning the budget and taxes. The rollback millage rates and the percentage change in property taxes are based on the assessment role certified by the property appraiser, Marty Kerr. Countywide millage rate and budget. The public hearing is open on the general county millage rate and budget. The proposed millage rate for the general county purposes as advertised on the notice of proposed property taxes exclusive of debt service is 5.4878, which represents a 4.77% increase in property taxes as compared to the rollback rate of 5.2379. The proposed millage rate for voted debt service is 0.1812. When combining the above two elements, the proposed millage rate for all general county purposes, including debt service, is 5.6690, the same as last year. I would like to introduce our county administrator, Bertha Henry, to provide an overview of the proposed county budget and millage rate. Thank you, Mayor. 
Today we are presenting a budget that addresses several community priorities. These include for the county's uh, most vulnerable populations, enhancement of human services programs, additional support for emergency preparedness and recovery from hurricanes, additional support for maintenance of buildings, courthouses and libraries, parks, and cultural programs, introduce the introduction of a pet clinic at the Broward County Animal Shelter, continuing the expansion of the county's affordable housing program and increasing efforts in public safety through E911 fund. That said, the total budget of 5.8 billion increases by approximately 584 million, which reflects an increase in the operating budget of 229 million an increase in the capital budget of 339 million, mostly due to the increase driven by the new transportation surtax and the aviation capital fund, and an increase in the debt service budget of 16 million, mostly due to an increase in port debt services. The general fund comprises 72 million of the increase, of which 22 million is one-time funding for affordable housing, 5 million, Pompano Beach CRA settlement, 10 million, and general capital projects of 7 million, with no change in the current cumulative operating millage rate. The budgets for county agencies increased by 14 million and addressed the aforementioned critical um, priorities. The general fund budgets for constitutional officers, including the Broward Sheriff's Office, property appraiser, and the supervisor of elections, increased by 36 million. The budget also includes the second year of three years of funding for the computer-aided mass appraisal system for the property appraiser's office, in addition to renovations for the property appraiser replacement facility. Mandated tax increment payments for municipal redevelopment continue to escalate due to the increase in the tax rolls. The certified tax roll increases 5.93% when compared to the role used for the adopted budget in FY19. However, we do not anticipate this level of growth to continue at the same rate. As stated earlier, the FY20 millage rate remains the same as FY19 with a slight decline in debt service millage and a corresponding increase dedicated for general capital projects. This shifting within the same total rate will help the county rebuild the property tax supported capital program which was significantly reduced during the recession. With over $2 billion in tax-supported assets, it is essential that we continue to rebuild this program with recurring revenue to ensure that our investments are adequately maintained for the future. County taxes make up less than one quarter of the overall property tax bill. The increase in assessed value for homestead property owners is capped at 1.9% for FY20, and generally homestead taxpayers will experience a slight decrease in its county taxes. For other properties, the change in the assessed value of each property will determine how much that they will pay in property taxes or the property taxes will change. The final hearing to adopt the county budget and tax rates is scheduled for September 24th. Thank you, County Administrator, for that unscripted uh, uh, comment. Um, <laughs> The first speaker on the countywide millage rate and budget is Jeannie O'Grady. Jeannie, are you here? Oh, okay. okay. We're going to give three minutes uh, to speak. Okay. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. Um, I'm here for animal care issues, and I wanted to address a couple points. 
um, as far as the spade and neuter programs are concerned. Um, right now, uh, there is no spade and neuter programs. Um, and we're asking you for funds to please <laughs> let us have it. Um, we're halfway through the year, and the shelter said they are out of money and for any spade and neuter programs. Fee free spade and neuter programs must be available to every Broward County resident. I believe it should be mandatory. This is a major part of the overpopulation problem. I am told the county has a spay van that's sitting idle. Um, I take care of three feral sites a night, which is very expensive, and have 50 cats to spade. Um, to spay a cat is like $70. So that's gonna be coming out of my own money to make sure that animals are taken care of in Broward County. Um, so we're asking stop the overpopulation, release some funds for spayed and neuter, and make sure that the van that the county already owns is functional. I heard there's talk of buying a new van or whatever. You don't need that, you already have one. It's not on the move, it's collecting dust, nothing. Um, the other thing is Broward County Animal Shelter. It's a toxic environment for animals. The conditions are filthy and there's no outreach done by that staff to place any animals there. There's just intaking animals, moving them to the death chambers to be killed. Um, I urge each one of you to go down there and visit unannounced, not when it's cleaned up, and stand there and look at the conditions that those animals have to live in. There's no vet care being administered to them whatsoever. I know I've spent thousands of dollars of my money pulling animals out of that shelter so they can live. There's no outreach being done by Lorelei Combs, period, end of sentence. So it's disgusting. Go down there, take a look at those conditions because that's what we all here are paying for. Okay, and stand in that death chamber and watch those animals, healthy, innocent animals being killed every single day in body bags thrown out like yesterday's trash. To me, it's disgusting. Six million dollars a year you guys have authorized and nothing is being done down there. You give me six million dollars a year and the rest of the, the rescue crowd in Broward County that's trying desperately to move those animals out of there and we'll get them out of there. We, if you want to increase the budget, that's fine. What you need is a new director down there to do something, to do outreach, to do rescue outreach, and get those animals placed. Um, and in closing, this is a picture of one of the dogs that was killed. Okay, it's Phoenix. I want you to take a good look at this. The volunteers went out there. They walked them. They came back from lunch to give the dog treats. They dragged him in the back and killed him with no outreach whatsoever. This is disgusting to me, what's happened here. So Thank you. They're going to an empty cage. An empty cage. Thank there it is. Phoenix, take a good look at it. Because you, this is what we're all responsible for. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Next to speak would be... I have a handout, too, that I'd like to pass out. Sure. See, our, our, uh, do we have somebody that you can give that to? Over here. This gentleman here with... That's walking. Oh. He's coming down to get it from you, Wendy. Uh, Wendy, I can't. Is it Sh Sugar Martin? Did I get that right? Huh. One one in a hundred isn't too bad. 
Please begin. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, commissioners and mayor, for having me here today and having this public hearing. I appreciate the administration um, greatly for putting together this budget for animal care, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. A year ago, I was here, and I supported a measure to bring best friends to the county for free. And you all supported it. Best friends came. They wrote a big report. I don't think any of you might have read it, because nobody seems to be maintaining the fact that none of the things that they've recommended have been implemented. The new budget puts a million dollars into animal care, which I think is phenomenal. Because a year ago, I was here, and I said to you, they need more staff. They don't have enough people working at the shelter. But what I've come to find out as I dig through what I can find on the backup documentation for these purchases, 814000 annualized for operating budget for a clinic. We have qualified veterinarians who will work with rescue, who will work with the shelter, and will work with the community. Why are we opening a clinic? $297,000 to purchase a spay-neuter van when we have purchased already with county tax dollars two forts that are sitting idle, that are not being used. They are for spay and neuter. If she can't get people to man those buildings that we already own, why are we buying her more toys to play with? I agree. We need a million dollars to help the shelter. We need to put that into programming. We need to look at the recommendations that best friends provided. Um, perhaps we should read the strategic plan that was written. It doesn't even talk about a bus. It doesn't talk about a clinic. We already have partners in the community. For example, two programs. One was the Broward County Veterinary Medical Association was willing to send volunteer veterinarians to work at the shelter for free. Why are we spending money? That proposal wasn't even considered. Instead, we got the Heisman. Thanks, but no thanks. Second of all, it's three minutes. Second of all, we had a behavior program. If you look back over her numbers, October of 2018, only 24 dogs were killed. Every month since, that number's been on the increase. The reason was we were running a pilot program and getting those dogs that they had labeled behavior out of the shelter and into loving homes. We're not addressing the issue by throwing more money at this woman. She is not qualified to take another million dollars and waste it. She has wasted 18 months. Thank you, Wendy. Um, next would be Debbie. Boy, it's going to be tough for me. Sorotello? Please, come on down. After, after Debbie, uh, Sean Felipe, and then Michelle Lazro. So why don't you come down to the front row so you'll be next. Good afternoon, Commissioners and Mayor. I'm here to talk about the kennel staff and how we really need to increase it because the the um, budget relies on 350 volunteers when I've never seen more than five or six there at one time, sometimes only two, one being myself. In the month of July, I was there from July 3rd to July 24th, worked 100 hours walking dogs, five days a week, 25 dogs a day. Of course, I was let go, but 
Now you'll see four people there the day after the hurricane when the dogs hadn't been walked in five days. So they'll take those dogs, label them aggressive, throw them in the ISO, and kill them. If we don't scramble to find them ways out of there, which we are doing with our own money and our own time. I don't know how it, volunteers, where they're coming from, where they're getting the number, because like I said, I've never seen more than four or five there. Maybe on a shelter shindig day, you'll get a few more there, but they're not walking 25 dogs a day like I was doing. And as a matter of fact, Mayor, your administrative assistant emailed me and said that you were gonna come and visit after your trip. Are you back? Oh yeah, you're back. Okay, I emailed her back, you still haven't come. Lamar, you were there on the 23rd. I was right in front of you, I couldn't get your attention because you were ushered out the back door. I really wanted to show you what was going on there that day. This is, I only started this in the end of June. I got involved in this volunteering and I can't sleep at night now. Sometimes I wish I'd never gotten involved. Now I'm adopting dogs and finding homes for them and this is my job. I retired from Delta to rescue animals. But I guess that's God put me there for a reason. So really, if you're gonna do anything with this money along with these other women that have told you the other aspects that need it, you need people there working. It's disgusting dirty, it stinks. Every kennel had excrement in it and no one did anything because nobody cares. I know probably some of you don't even care because you're not really paying attention. But you need to get on it, really. If you're gonna give this much money to a person that's not doing anything, give me the money, I'll go in and run the place and I'll do a much better job. Um, just, just to comment, um, my, my, uh, my assistant did go to the kennel on a spot check without being announced, found it to be in good order, clean, and, um, and we'll leave it at that. Next is uh, Sean Felipe. Thanks, Ron. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners, senators, mayor, vice mayor. Good to see all your lovely faces again. Uh, hi. Uh, so I am here to speak on the sheriff's budget. So I was contacted by the, or talked with the Florida Immigrant Coalition a couple of weeks ago, an organization that I have worked with for many, many years that are doing great work in our communities. And they informed me that after a long struggle that the sheriff signed the WSO agreement to have federal immigration enforcement in the jails. Now I realized that he was required by law to sign an agreement with the federal government but the agreement that he signed uh, is gonna be $4 million out of the money that you're going to be allocating to him in this budget. So we're happy to go ahead and give the sheriff a generous assumption that maybe he thought that this was the least worst option that he had, uh, and the Florida Immigrant Coalition is going to meet with the sheriff tomorrow. Uh, but I felt that the commission should know that the sheriff went ahead and made this step because I was here in 2017 when this commission stood, I believe unanimously, with the immigrant communities. And I know that there are a lot of champions on this commission for the immigrant communities and vulnerable communities. So I think that 
uh, you have the opportunity to do so again, and I'm confident that you will. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Next would be Michelle Lazaron. Lazaro, is that right, Michelle? Yes. City Commissioner. Michelle Commissioner Lazaro, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Um, I am here today as taxpayer and voter. I'm not here on behalf of Hallandale Beach, but I am here as a representative of the hundreds of volunteers, taxpayers, who have emailed all of you hundreds of emails. And I know that because I'm CC'd on all of them. You all know me. You've known me for a decade. I've stood here before you over this shelter issue. I've stood before you, Commissioner Fisher, or when you were in Pompano. And you were awesome. And thank you. Commissioner Beam, Fur, same thing. You've been awesome. I am very disappointed and I am very saddened that this commission has chosen not to even address an email by saying received. Received. That's your job, to acknowledge your constitu constituents. I'm sorry, I'm so angry. I'm sorry, I'm trying to be composed. Um, it's your job. Um, if you don't want to change the policy about the director, that's your prerogative, that's your consideration, whatever it is you want to do, but you work for the people sitting behind me. And they deserve the respect of a email, even if it came for your aid. Even if your aides sent an email saying, we have it, thank you, we will address it, we will look into it. Um, I'm just disappointed. And I know I'm here to talk about the budget. Um, many of you know that I do not um, think that Lorelai is doing a good job. I stood here before you 18 months, told you that I would give her my full support when we were able to finally get rid of Thomas Adair with the help of Bob Norman. That took us a long time to get Thomas out. And we stood here and we supported Lorelai. We're not supporting her anymore. And we're not going to be quiet about it. And it's going to end up being very bad for the county. I just don't think it's a good idea to just keep ignoring and ignoring the situation. Um, throwing another million dollars at this situation is not dealing with the actual problem. This is chasing good money after bad. You have somebody in that position that is not qualified for that job. Um, I do believe that the volunteer sitting behind me would do a better job than she would for free. And you've had long-time volunteers there for 15 years that have been asked not to come back. 15 years. They go on their lunch break, and they work for free, and she was asked not to come back. How do you think that that looks for this county? So I would ask this county, if you don't want to change your policy, if you don't want to fire Lorelei, um, that you at least take the time to address your constituents in a professional way. And, and you know what? I'm an elected official. I'm one of you guys. You guys didn't even acknowledge my emails. I mean, I would never do that to you. I would acknowledge your email. I go and meet with you. I would talk to you. I would do whatever it was. But as a voter and a taxpayer, I can't imagine how they feel. I can't imagine. So if you want to give them a million dollars, give them a million dollars, but you certainly didn't take into account how the voters and taxpayers feel. Thank you. Thank you. Next would be uh, Paul Chavez, and after Paul be Paula Munoz. Munoz. Come on and come to the front, Paula. Paul Chavez. And then after Paula will be Terrence Lynch. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. My name is Paul Chavez. I'm lead counsel at Southern Poverty Law Center, who has filed a constitutional challenge to the anti-immigrant SB 168. Um, 
I flag SB 168 uh, for you all for a few very specific reasons. We've challenged SB 168, including uh, because of the fiscal impact it has on cities and counties. Um, and I think most apt for this, for this commission. Um, I'll flag, flag three areas of particular concern that are most obvious within the anti-immigrant bill, SB 168. The first of which is that it mandates ICE detainers. So SB 168 states that local jails shall acknowledge ICE detainers that are sent from ICE asking local officials to continue the detention of folks that otherwise would have been released. So now that means cities are on the hook for paying for that, those expenses. Um, as has been noted, SB 168 includes a reimbursement clause, but the reimbursement clause at best allows for $50 for two days. We know that it costs a lot more than that to detain people. In fact, we have a printout showing the actual cost of detention. That will cover around 1% um, of the detention. Furthermore, SB 168 mandates the transportation of folks who were at, would have otherwise been released across state lines, all at your expense. Second, SB 168 compels compliance with what we've called the best efforts clause. The title of the bill states that government entities and law enforcement agencies shall use their best efforts to support the enforcement of federal immigration law. I think this conceivably means that this gives the federal government unfettered discretion to conscript local agencies into doing their work for them and without your discretion on the budget. If you violate SB 168, you could be subject to removal from the governor or face an enforcement lawsuit by the attorney general. So what does that mean, best efforts? It's not defined in SB 168 itself, but what if, for instance, ICE wants to conduct a raid? but you happen to just face a hurricane and you want to deploy your law enforcement officers and other city agencies to face that. Now ICE comes and says, no, that's not using your best efforts. You're violating SB 168. It will be costly to you and those that are gonna be elected ahead of you because it doesn't just hold you accountable to follow SB 168. It also compels your uh, predecessors or the folks who come after you to do so. Thank you. Uh, finally, I'll note the SB 168 exposes local government to liability. Enforcing federal immigration law is incredibly complex. That's why we have the federal immigration do it. I'll compare it to the enforcement of the Internal Revenue Code. We don't have police busting into buildings asking people for their tax resorts because it's so particularly complex. We shouldn't have police do that who already have a very difficult job. Thank you. I have a few uh, handouts on the cost of ICE detainers. And sure. a report called the cost you want, uh, We have some, one commissioner that has a question, Commissioner Geller. Uh, sir, I think yes. everybody at this table agrees with you on how bad 168 is. What Do you have a suggestion for what we can do about it? Because all of us, I, I, I don't want to speak for every member of the commission, but I'm pretty confident all nine of us would have voted against it and oppose it. I mean, do you have any recommendations? Thank you, Commissioner Geller. I appreciate that question. I would urge you to stand up with other cities and counties that are now working on an amicus brief. For the non-lawyers in the room, amicus brief means friend of the court. You can file a brief in front of the judge who is hearing this case um, describing what is, the, what is the position of a city. Why, are, why would cities be opposed 
to entangling federal immigration law and local police enforcement. So that's one way to do it. Um, it's probably not too late to join the lawsuit as a plaintiff. Um, if politically it's too difficult to do so, I think the uh, amicus route would do it. Alternatively, and because this is uh, the budget committee meeting, I think funds could be laid out to try to mitigate some of the impact of SB 168. There's gonna be additional people that are unjustly detained and thrown into the deportation pipeline. Members of this community that live and work here, our neighbors, our mothers, our fathers, they're gonna be in, in the deportation pipeline. And funds could be spent, as they are in other cities, to help protect them, either through legal services or other types of services. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Paula Munoz, is that correct? Yes, Munoz. Munoz, thank you. Hi. Um, hello, commissioners. Um, my name is Paula Munoz, and I am a concerned citizen of Broward County. Um, I came uh, when I was seven years old from Colombia, and I've lived here ever since in Broward County. I'm now 27, so you could see, you know, I've, I've been a, a proud resident of Broward County, um, especially for the stands that you all have taken in the past for our immigrant communities. I'm very concerned about um, this ask that SB 168 like now is kind of putting a pressure onto the communities and is, it is requiring for counties to sign some sort of agreement uh, with a, a, you know, ICE. So something that I'm very concerned about is first that um, there was already a, like the signed agreement with WSO, which is the Warren Service Officer Program, which is very concerning to me because it the law, as, as stated, does not require us for, pick to, for us to pick up that program specifically or to sign on to that agreement for the warrant service officer. Um, there's other agreements that include cost sharing, and this one actually does not include uh, the, um, the requirements for reimbursement because WSO does not give any money back um, in, through reimbursement. Um, so that's something that's very concerning that, you know, we heard that this was already signed, and uh, so we are meeting with the sheriff tomorrow to speak more and also bring the legal part of it, but we are concerned because this, again, it's gonna cost millions of dollars for the county to detain, to hold immigrants in a ICE detainer hold type of way, and um, so with this, uh, you know, there are, there are counties and cities, as mentioned, that are going, um, going to challenge SB 168, which I believe is something that would be, you know, would protect us fiscally also and our communities as well, because um, it's something we don't want in the county. It, we don't want to have to adhere to those rules of detaining immigrants and to actually like support ICE in holding immigrants when it's not, you know, it's not the sheriff's um, job to do that. So um, I'm here to bring that information, we brought information for you all and to continue our conversations on this because it's very concerning. Again, the fiscal impact is huge. Uh, it's uh, our tax, my taxpayers' money is going into this, whether I like it or not, because this law is forcing this, but um, it's not the agreement, WSO is not the agreement that has to be taken, right? So I would like to you know, further talk with you all about this uh, as it's a great concern of mine. Thank you. Thank you. Next would be Terrence Lynch and then Camilla, Camilla Devati. I'll get the names right. Come on. Terrence Lynch. Yes, good afternoon, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Terrence Lynch. I'm General Counsel for BSO, and I'm glad I've given the opportunity to speak to this issue because I think there's some 
misunderstandings about exactly what the WSO program is. And, and first of all, there, I can tell you there is not a dollar in this budget that is earmarked, designated for any type of immigration enforcement. So there's nothing in there. There's no $4 million that it was going to be part of this budget. So I wanted to make sure that uh, you understood that. The, the WSO agreement that we have, there's no cost to it. Um, what it does very simply is for detention deputies that are already part of BSO, it gives them the federal authority to enforce these detainers that this SB 168 requires us by law to do. If we don't have it, then the sheriff's office is opened up to liability because we rely on the probable cause in those detainers from ICE to give us the authority to detain. What's happened in the past is that uh, jails, county correctional facilities, have been sued because there wasn't probable cause to hold them. The WSO simply trains the existing detention deputies that are there and gives them the federal authority and gives them the same privileges and immunities that federal officers have and gives them the ability to be represented by the Department of Justice should we actually be sued. So it just gives us protection for doing what Senate Bill 168 requires us to do. But there's no money in this budget. There's no money for training them. These are detention deputies. They're already there. The one issue that I think that was brought up was simply the fact that it's going to cost more to detain them for those extra 48 hours. This is the same program, just so you understand. Pre-2014, BSO and many other county correctional facilities actually uh, held people for those 48 hours based on those detainers. After 2014, until this new law came into effect, we stopped that because of liability issues. Now we have no choice. The law requires it. The sheriff is subject to removal from office if he does not comply with it. So we have to do it. And all we're doing is trying to put in those protections that are necessary. The additional 48 hours, there's not a one-to-one -one cost. Um, we say it costs $130, $150 a day to house an inmate. If you lose an inmate, those costs stay the same if you have additional time because you have the same correctional staff there. So there's not a, a dollar amount that you can put on how much it costs to house these uh, detainees for an extra 48 hours. It's not $4 million. There probably is some incremental cost, but we are, through a basic ordering agreement, receiving uh, $50 a day. That ordering agreement is something that the new uh, law requires us to engage in. We have some commissioners that have some questions. Sure. Starting with Commissioner Furr. Thanks. Um, I know with 168, the Broward Sheriff's Office is required to in enter into a cost-sharing agreement to handle the cost. And I know it has to sign an agreement. Yes. My question is, has Broward County signed or agreed to the Warrant Service, service Officer Program? Yes. Okay. And, and as I explained, that's simply to train those deputies and provide us liability protection. There is no cost for it. Well, my, I, my second question is, why sign on to that form of an agreement? instead of a basic ordering agreement? They do two different things. The basic ordering agreement is a two-page document that just reimburses for the costs of housing them for 48 hours. That has nothing to do with providing our detention deputies protection uh, for enforcing the federal immigration detainers. That's a completely separate uh, purpose to those agreements. And, you, and you're, you're under the belief that this would not cost the county 
more money by doing the warrant service officer? No, it actually may in the long run cost the county less because if we get sued, we have the same immunities and protections. What that if you don't get, forget the suing part. If we don't get sued, there's because, no. Because you, you, are, you are required to sign an agreement. Yes. But it does, you don't have to sign the warrant service officer agreement. Therefore, the, there's not a suing if you sign a basic order and agreement. You've, signed, you've, you've done what you have to do by law. Yes. So you're not going to get sued. So no, 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 my, no. That's, so my, so my okay. question is, is this going to, forget being sued. I, How uh, much, why don't you think this is going to cost okay. the county Okay, first money? of all, that basic ordering agreement and the new law does not protect BSO from liability should we get sued. The same issues remain. If ICE does not have probable cause and they give us a detainer and we get sued, well, we hold on to them without probable cause and we're liable just like them. The WSO protects us from that type of liability. The basic order, ordering agreement does not do that. It's only for housing the detainee. We're simply trying to provide a measure of protection from liability that does not cost the agency a penny more. And, and just so also one other thing, th this is not for any type of general immigration enforcement. This is only what we're required to do under the statute. The WSO doesn't give us any authority other than what is already required under Florida law. But you could have signed just the basic ordering agreement if you... We could, but we would open ourselves up to liability, and this was a, a zero-cost method of uh, insulating us from that liability. Okay, thank you. Vice Mayor Holness? Yes. Uh, let me ask you now, what do you have in place today? Nothing? When you say nothing... So, no, so we... if ICE came in today and says, you need to hold this person for 48 hours, you said we don't do that. No, we did not do that uh, from June 2014 through July 1st of 2019, about a five-year period. When that law came into effect, it was effective July 1st, we're required by law to comply with that law. Let me so, yes, we are honoring those detainers today. So, so let me ask you this. You're saying that you had no choice but, but to sign the... Uh the uh, WSO compared Not to the, the WSO, BO the BOA. The basic ordering agreement is required under statute specifically. So you have to, but, but you signed the other one? Correct. Okay. But let me ask you, doesn't you have some immunity already because you're a governmental agency? Well, you only have immunity up to the statutory cap. So it, it doesn't provide absolute immunity. It only provides a limited amount of immunity. So we still could be sued, and we're sued regularly. Um, but and, and if it's a federal civil rights violation, then those caps, those sovereign immunity caps are gone. We could be sued for whatever the damages are without limitation. So you're, 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 you now have an agreement where you can hold for 48 hours. What happens after 48 hours? Okay, so if ICE does not pick up the detainee after 48 hours, we immediately release from, from custody. You, or cost per day to house someone is how much? Uh, I'd have to defer here, but I think it's around 130 to 140 a day. That's just based on an average. So as I was explaining before, that average is based on primarily what we have staffing. So if we, and if you look at it, if you have more of a population because you have the same amount of staff, your costs actually go down. If you've got less of a population but you haven't changed your staff, your Cost per day will go up, but there's not a one-to-one -one ratio when somebody leaves 
the jail that you save any particular amount of money. Well, well uh, we have an average cost, you're telling me, of $130, right? I, 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 around that per number. Is, is that number uh, from, from our finance? Uh, uh, I thought it was higher than that county administrator. It, it probably is. It, I, I, might I, be I heard 160 ago. before. What, what is, what, do you have an... So, uh, 164 is the number. Okay, that's what I thought. It was yeah. 164. Yeah, I, okay, so not a finance guy. So here's the deal. We're getting $50 reimbursement for those two days. Yeah. That's 100 bucks, yeah. right? It's non-negotiable with ICE. And no, it's, no, no yeah. I understand that. So you're telling me we're holding them for two days, and we're right. getting $50 a day back. For you to say that it's not going to cost us any more money doesn't add up because it's going to cost us to host these people for those two days, and we're only getting reimbursement for not even half the cost. Less than well, a third of the cost is what we're getting reimbursed for. So we're going to have to find the rest of that money to house these people uh, through our budget. Am not, I right or wrong? Not, not exactly, no, because so, so I was explaining right it's not a real cost of $130 for every single inmate, so you don't save costs. And to that extent, you're going to save on a meal cost, which is about $3 a day. And there's a per diem for medical costs, which I'm not sure what that is for medical costs, but it doesn't come to $50 a day. Okay. So you tell but me the other not, costs are hard costs that we're not going to save. I'm sorry. You tell me you're not a math guy, but if, if you're telling me the average is $164 per day, Maybe, maybe someone else can explain it better. Yeah, please, than me, because because uh, you, you you can tell me there's yeah. there's not an increased cost if we have an average of one hundred and sixty four dollars per day. And you tell me it's only going to be meal cost. So good evening. They, they, you gotta, if you have more people in the jail, you're going to have to hire more staff to house these and to maintain that. That's a cost right there. Uh, for, for 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 that expense, your 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 electric bill and other bills will go up because there are more people in there utilizing. Uh, water and, and the air-conditioned space, which will cost more. Good evening, Commissioner. Uh, James Reyes, Executive Director over the Department of Administration Broward Sheriff's Office. So I think it's important to clarify how we calculate the per-day cost of an inmate, which is basically your operational cost to run the detention facilities divided by the population. Once you get into that, then you would understand perhaps a little more uh, what it is that Terrence is alluding to which is, for example, if the same, uh, same number of staff is used today as tomorrow, but we have 100 less inmates, the cost of the daily subsistence for an inmate goes up. Even though you have less inmates, when you divide it and you do the per day, per day cost of an inmate, even though you have less, 100 less, it goes okay. higher because okay. obviously the cost is the same associated with it, but you divide it amongst less inmates. Be so be uh, to the lay person, so you, so you, you know, there's a bunch of this that are fixed costs no matter what we Correct. Do. And that's uh, what he, okay. that, that's Terrence okay. alluding. There's certain fixed costs that there, whether we have 3,000 inmates or we have 1,000, that's going to be the cost associated. But, but to say there's no additional cost is not accurate. There are going to be, there's going to be additional costs to have another body in the place. Maybe not as not $164, but there'll be additional cost. Right, and okay. that's why we believe, okay. for example, in, in that term, what you're talking about is uh, food. So we okay. believe that the, the $50 right. would uh, compensate for, for that portion. But the general okay. portion, the entire 164 you are correct. Yes. It wouldn't sub obviously substitute not, the not 164 the but okay. at the same time, because of the change in numbers of inmates in custody, that's really what dictates the per day cost of an inmate in custody. So, so here's a challenge that, that I'm looking at. If we are to go forward and join an amicus brief 
or to actually be a plaintiff for this. I'm trying to get from you those costs. That's where that's why I'm asking the question. Uh, I, I mean, I hear the the general counsel's mm -hmm. explanation as to why he feels he has to sign one agreement over another agreement. Uh, I'm, I'm not in the legal field. I don't know what the ramifications are, not in totality. Uh, but but I believe that there's some unfunded mon mandate that's been sent down to us in terms of having uh, this additional uh, responsibility uh, to, to do what ICE ought to do. Uh, and, 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 I, and I hope my colleagues at, at some point in the future uh, that we can bring something to agree to an amicus brief uh, at minimum if not join as a plaintiff. That's something that, I, that I'm hoping that at the next commission meeting we can put on the agenda to have a discussion as to where we go with that. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, anybody else on the queue? All right, thank you. Thank you. Next would be uh, Camilla. Is Camilla D-U-A-I-D-E? Is that your, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's Duarte, D-U-A-R-T-E. Oh, they spelled it wrong. Thank you, Camilla. Welcome. Hi. So, good afternoon. My name is Camila Duarte, and I'm a resident of Broward County and student in Broward County. I've been living in Broward for six years since I moved from Venezuela. I'm here today because I became aware that the Broward Sheriff's Office signed a WSO agreement with ICE. WSO is a program that will deputize police officers to give ICE warrants inside of jails, increasing deportations in our county. As a Venezuelan immigrant and resident of Broward County, I do not want to see your county funding programs that will criminalize me and my family. The WSO and other detainer programs will damage the trust between local law enforcement and the immigrant community, as well as increase the fear of deportation and family separation that our communities already face everywhere. I don't want to see my friends scared of not seeing their parents again. I don't want to see my friends scared of going to school, going to work just driving. We know that the sheriff's office needs to sign an agreement with ICE, but I ask you to consider this when you determine the budget, as this program could cost up to $4 million a year. And no matter what they say, it will cost us money. We need to be funding schools and programs in our community, not detention and deportation of immigrant families. I hope that we continue this conversation and that we can stand against SB 168 and join a lawsuit as a county. We don't want to become enemies with the sheriff's office, but we do want safety for our immigrant community, and we won't stop until Broward County stands up for the immigrant community. Thank you. Thank you. Next would be Sloan Cowart. Good evening, all. Commissioners, Mayor. I am not opposing $1 million being recommended for our Broward County shelter pass. I encourage more money being spent on our shelter pets. However, I am opposing the manner in which it is being spent. The amount of $297,000 for the purchase of an animal care van for spay neuter doesn't seem like a productive expenditure. As there are already two existing mobile fort units sitting unused and already paid for by tax dollars at $100,000 each. In addition, there is also an unoccupied county shelter facility in Pompano that should be reopened and staffed with that money to provide 24-hour care for neonates 
sorry, and care for the dogs who are not sheltering well at the main facility, which is over capacity, deplorable conditions, and understaffed. $297,000 could create so many more positive outcomes if it were spent on programs and staffing, which are the key elements in all this. The funds for introducing the, of a pet clinic at the shelter would go farther if it was actually used to enhance the voucher system. We have many veterinarians throughout Broward County who would participate. This broadens the accessibility to the community to obtain free and or reduced spay, neuter, and low-cost medical care. A million dollars can create tremendous positive outcomes if it is spent on utilizing the existing infrastructure just needing to be enhanced and broadened with solid programs and staffing, which are key elements. In addition to that, I'm going to also, since I have a few minutes, just comment. One, I do appreciate you or your aides coming out However, I encourage you to repeatedly come out. You yourselves, come out, please, unannounced. See what I see. I am a volunteer. I am there regularly. The conditions are deplorable. They are understaffed. 350 volunteers never on the floor, maybe in the system, never on the floor. In response, regarding volunteers, the decision of the shelter management to dismiss longtime volunteers and discard them as easily disposable and replaceable, I'm letting you all know this does not show well to our community. I am telling you firsthand, I work with these volunteers. This is wrong. We need all hands on deck. Mayor? Just real quick, Ms. Sloan, for the record, uh, Pompano Beach is going to be open hopefully very soon. We're in the process of making sure the building is going to be safe and then we're doing RFP, but it will be open soon. With all due Oops. respect, it's mm -hmm. been over 18 months and $1 million. I know. I got, elected, I got elected in November, so we're working on it. Now, that's Thank what Lorelai has said for 18 months now. The shelter is not. Hold on. Don't go away. Don't go away. Yes. I wanted to ask you just a simple question. You said the conditions are deplorable. They are deplorable, sir. Can you just give me a, two sentences of what's deplorable about the conditions? Um, Excrement on the floor, dogs being fed in it. The smell. I don't know what your aide saw, but this is what I see on every Saturday that I'm there. People walking out, people seeing dogs eat their own feces. The food being put there while the dogs are eating. They're so hungry. They haven't been out in who knows how long. The food Well, that's goes a different the issue. Floor. Deplorable. I just want you to just stick with the deplorable. So you're saying there's feces on the floor that shouldn't be there? Smears all over the floor. Urine, the stink, that's deplorable. That's unsanitary. And I don't think if any of you have pets would appreciate your pets eating in that. No, I, I have a pet. I was just curious, you know, when you say deplorable, what you meant by that? It, it's and, filthy conditions. Okay. Poop all over everywhere. Okay, thank you. Did you want to ask something? Yeah. Vice Mayor Holmes? Ms. Henry, I hear about this two mobile units that's not being utilized. Is, is that correct? So we... Or someone here can answer that? All right. So we hired two, I mean, we um, acquired two vehicles um, several years ago in a partnership with the um, Humane Society. They provided the veterinarians 
They took the vehicles out um, into different parts of the community. One of those vehicles, I believe, is still at, I mean, they're out. These are not the vehicles that you can just pick up every day and move them. You have to hook them up to um, water and related facilities. Come on, please. Okay. So these are vehicles because of what we do in the vehicles have to be hooked up uh, near um, water and um, other facilities. And they usually stay out in, in the community six months or so before we move them around. Um, we have recently uh, been notified by our partner that they would not be able to um, do that. They have some limitations on where they want their veterinarians to go. Um, this budget um, uh, addresses that by providing some additional support, staffing support and veterinary support. The second vehicle, it would be our intent to have a respite. As you know, that the, the facility for the clinic would be, it's relatively small. It's big enough to, to provide the, um, the, the services, the immediate services, but those animals um, pre and post need some place to for respite until they're able to go back into the community. And so we, are, we will be setting that vehicle up to service the respite. That way we don't have, uh, we utilize the facility itself to really create the, the, the um, operation, the need to keep um, the animals moving through for, um, for um, the services and the place for them to rest would be outside of that. As we've just built the building, we just don't have the space to do it on the inside. So the, 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 the unit that you're talking about is similar to the one that was at uh, the, that unit. the central, Broward, not central, but at, at, at Delaval Park. At Delaval and the Park. Library. Yeah, okay. All right, thanks. So, so you, yeah, those are fixed units that, that you put in they, place. Yes. You don't move them every day. I, I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Kanish, what can I do for you? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I've been listening to the um, statements from the animal rights uh, community, and I, I share some of the concerns. Commissioner Lazaro, when you said that you emailed, I just went back and checked. There was one email that you sent addressed to eight people and then copied to the Western world, and I, I was one of them. But I promise you, you ever send me, you, you and I have known each other a long time. You ever send an email addressed to me, you know you will always get a response. I don't always respond when I'm one of 30 CCs on an email, because that just leads me to the belief I'm one of the Western world. You've known me a long time. I promise you ever email me directly a letter addressed to me. I will always get back with you. But I, I, there were two issues on numbers I wanted to go over because I've met with a number of animal rights activists and I, I'll plead guilty because I've heard a lot of people complaining about the 300,000 in the budget and I went to the county administrator for that uh, adoption 
uh, spay neuter van because that's one of the things I was asked for. And so I met with the administrator and said, can we please make this happen? Because I, I know I was trying to be responsive to some of the requests. I also, I looked at the historical numbers to say, what could we do? And I've heard some of you say that you don't think the money's being spent right. From my perspective, I'm trying to ensure that there's adequate resources. If you just look at the budget over the last four, well, five years from 2016, if anybody wants, I've given this to some of the people I've met with, I'm happy to give it out. The total budget in 2016 for animal care and adoption was 6,676,020. It's gone up each year. Now it's 8 million, in the 2020, it's 8,961,000. That's a 34% increase uh, in, the, in five years, which is a heftier increase than we're giving to, to most areas of the budget. Uh, in terms of the number of positions, that's gone up from 2016, 69 positions, then we've been at 74. That's going 79. I understand this is not everything you're asking for, but you have to understand. And, uh, I understand that a lot of your complaints are that you think we're not spending the money as effectively as we can. Uh, we're trying to provide adequate resources. We're trying to provide the supervision. I'm not an expert in this area. I do have to rely to a large degree. I meet with animal rights people on a regular basis. Um, no, no, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but we don't. Excuse me, Steve, either you're going to have a conversation or no, not. I have no interest. Okay, folks, folks. You either have to let them speak, or I'm going to have to have you gone. Great. Okay. So okay. I, I'm. You know, you get a. I'm happy to meet with Michelle. You want to bring delegate? I'm happy to meet. But the point I'm making is, we have been trying to increase budget. We have been trying. And I'm not speaking for Commissioner Geller. I know all of us on the dais here have been trying to be responsive. We're not experts. We're relying on our staff. We're making sure that the resources are increasing, and I think that's what we can do. I'm happy to schedule another meeting with you. With, with you in particular. Okay, next. Um, Sabine, is it has out or has out? Oh, she just spoke? Okay. We're done with those. Okay. Now the public comment period is completed, I will take comments from the county commission. Are you kidding? No, that'll be quick. Senator. <laughs> Commissioner Geller. Okay, Mr. Mayor, I just, members, I passed out again, as I do every year, um, uh, analysis of changes in the general fund budget. Um, I passed out the green copy, which showed pre-recession to 2019, the yellow copies 20. Uh, it's important for us to understand, because people are constantly coming in front of us and asking for more money that we have never recovered from the Great Recession. When you adjust for population and inflation, which you have to, because with sheriffs, you know, you hire one person for every whatever deputies. We have held uh, on the 2020 budget, the most recent, if we adopt this, BSO will have had an 8% cut. 
The county agencies will have had a 20% cut, property appraiser a 6%, and SOE 6%. The county commission has taken the largest budget cut, and at some point we need to understand this. So whenever people come and ask me for more money, I generally say find a place to take it from. If we need to raise millage, I'm willing to consider that, but we have to, if we're not, we need to live within the means we have. I just wanted you to know and have this information available to you for the future. Thank you. Commissioner Geller, I, I object to your truthful comments. And uh, <laughs> anybody else want to speak? Yeah. Vice Mayor Holness? Yeah, let, let me commend our staff and county administrator <laughs> in particular for, for your fiscal conservatism that you've demonstrated over the years that I've been here. Uh, for the 2010 budget year, uh, we made some serious cuts. I, uh, the budget here in time had already been elected, but not sitting on the dais because it occurred before November. And I remember the pain that many in the audience face. Many residents, we cut their bus services, and we cut so much more for them. We have done some restoration, uh, but my colleagues, uh, we have to be mindful of what is in the news, that there could be possibly a slowdown, and I think it's happening to some extent. I know that uh, in, in the real estate market, especially to the south in Miami, those higher-end condos, they're not moving as much. Uh, we, we know that from uh, estimates from uh, Broward County College, there are less international students coming in. Uh, so we, 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 we've, we've been very mindful of how we spend the money. And, and, I, and, and here's one of the things that I know, and I'll bring something uh, that we already included in this budget to ensure that our seniors who are uh, low income will get some reprieve going forward because there are many seniors out there who are on fixed income, low income seniors, that every penny matters, uh, that sometimes have to make a determination between whether that they buy medicine or, 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 or provide for paying their taxes or, 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 or repairing their homes. Um, so we have to be mindful of that as we go forward. And, and again, I think we've done a, a really good job in, in, in maintaining fiscal accountability to the residents of Broward County. Commissioner Ryan. I wanted to briefly mention that on page five of the prepared remarks, there was a recognition that we have had an increase in um, general capital. And this is something that I've requested over the last several years, recognizing that we're in the, the longest sustained uh, uh, surplus that you can imagine in an economic cycle. Uh, all of the uh, signs are that we will suffer some type of a uh, slowdown in the economy in the coming year or two years, and we must be prepared. We had depleted our capital budget significantly. Um, after 2008-2009, so I'm encouraged that we are now trying to increase our capital budget, which in turn we're going to need to utilize when we have a slowdown in our revenue growth in the future. So uh, I appreciate that um, uh, fiscal uh, uh, effort on your behalf, uh, County Administrator. Does anybody else want to chime in? Okay. Oh, Commissioner Furr. 
Real quick. Sure. Just to um, address a couple of the issues that came up. With regard to the spay neuter, I have been called numerous times as they hand out vouchers, they run out, and I don't. And I think there is a need there to have more of those. I don't know if we've. I don't know if there, there's been added to that, but but we have uh, been running out throughout the year, and I know I know, and I, I imagine people here know. Some people take a lot of them and they don't use them all, and I don't know how to. I don't know how do we. Maybe they can't take as many or something, but we need to figure that out, cause it, that out because a lot of people are not being able to. It's not fair for the people to have it coming out of their own pocket. Second, we did, we did adopt the strategic plan in March. Very good, done from the friends, very good plan. Um, we put it on the website, and we've asked for an update on this. And I know they're working on the update. The problem is that the staffing doesn't have enough, there's not enough staffing to do constant updates. And, and it's important for that community to know what's going on on a regular basis. My suggestion is to do shared resources with the public information office. Maybe we don't add another person to the, add another person to that, to that division, but through the PIO or through, through the office, have somebody who can help them get those statistics. Because, that, because uh, we've been waiting a few months on this and you know it, that's, that gets everybody kind of antsy. There should be an, um, a monthly update. We, we put out a goal, we put out what we're trying to do. We have to let people know how, how we're doing in, uh, on those metrics. Um, thirdly, and I know I think you've already discussed this, having to do with the capital budget. The, the fact that it, it does smell in the animal shelter right now, but it has to do with the ventilation system. My understanding is there's money this time for, in the capital to get this taken care of. Yes. Yes. Okay, very good. Thank you. Um, as, with regard to youth librarians, and I know I bring this up every time, the regionals have a youth librarian. All the medium-sized um, libraries do not. Back to what I had mentioned today of trying to find metrics for early literacy, it's going to be important that we have youth librarians for every one of the medium and, uh, libraries. That means designate, we don't have a job description that designates youth librarian right now. We used to, but right now it's just librarian. There needs to be some, a designation there so we know who's where. Um, and so I, as, at, a, at another point, I'm gonna ask that we, that we revisit that so we, so we can make sure that we have those in every single library because you need that expertise for these libraries. Okay, thank you. Okay, any others? Anybody else? Okay, now. Okay, um, so earlier I called Sabine as out and, and I was told that she spoke and I didn't, and I was right, she had not spoken. So she is now back in, you wanna come on down? And uh, is it, uh, Sabine, is it has out? How do you pronounce your last name? Hazoo, I'm sorry, H-A-Z-O-U-T, Hazoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, hi, thank you so much. I was out to change the diaper, that's why I couldn't speak before. Um, you have the diaper exception, no problem. Yes. yes, Okay, I'm here as a resident and as someone who is also a landlord in Broward County. I've lived here almost eight years and the taxes are going up and I know that the property values are going up, so even if you hadn't increased the tax rate, you would get more money, right? 
Um, what I'm just trying to, to get to is that it's very hard for a homeowner to get any type of break when it comes to the property taxes. When I call the, the, the office that assesses the houses, they just tell me, well, you know, there's not much you can do. You could go to the meetings and speak to them. But most of the time, it's like the meetings already have made up their mind of how much they're going to charge anyway. And then you're just hearing comments. So it's like, it feels very un not much not transparent. And I just want you to take in consideration that um, my husband and a lot of my renters are working very hard, sometimes coming home at eight and then working from home or having multiple jobs just to like pay for their rent and everything. And I don't really want to increase their rent because I know they're working really hard. But if I see that, you know, the property taxes go up, I'm like, my hands are kind of forced. That's what I have to do. And at the same time, I mean, the libraries are great. We enjoy it. Um, but the traffic engineering, I don't know like what's going on, but I reached out to them like three times because the road of where I live is going very fast. Like nobody keeps the speed limit anywhere over here. And we walk to like the synagogue on Saturdays and it's very dangerous for us to even cross the street because uh. the roads over here are very long. There's not enough way to even move. And I mean, we're just praying that everything is gonna be all right. But we, we had to dodge a few times already. The cars almost ran us over and we have three babies. So I think, you know, if you guys could please take in consideration what you're doing. And I know you're aware that the economy is not always gonna be this great. You have a debt labor already. So I'm just saying, like, keep it in mind for the future that some adjustments have to be made. Ma'am, can I also just say that you can always go downstairs uh, at the property appraiser's office, Marty Kier's office, and they can show you how you can appeal if you feel your property tax bill is too high, how you can go by a process and appeal for that. I, I tried that mm -hmm. last year on a property, and then they just kind yeah. of told me, well, um, I know your property was in a foreclosure, and therefore it didn't affect the market or something like that. Right. And there was you, can, you can always appeal the value of your home. So if you feel the value of your, of your property, in whichever theory. property it is, if you feel your property value is too high or higher than, than it should be, it, it's appealable. I just want you to know that. You can do uh, that. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Yeah. Mayor, also, yes, it, there's, there's just a, there's just a short time frame to, to, to make that appeal of your assessed value. But I noticed that your uh, son, he spit out his pacifier, so I think he's entitled to three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's been talking all the time when you had your conversation. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. I think you, you should go down and make sure they get you information on, on how you can appeal the assessed value of your property. I'm, I'm just saying that I already tried it last Aww. year and I don't really feel that it's, you know, Try that there's again. much I can do. Talk to somebody else there. If you have problems, you can come talk to, you know, come talk to one of your commissioners here. Okay. Thank you very much. Mayor, we're going to have someone from Public Works to speak with her about the traffic on the street that she's referring to. So we can see. Does she want to have her wait here? If she can wait. They're, they're, okay. Yeah, they're going to reach out to her in just a second. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. That, that takes care of all of our uh, public comments, our commissioner comments, 
and um, the board will vote now to adopt the tentative millage rate and budget. Commissioner Furr moves resolution number 2019-561, seconded by Commissioner Sharif, establishing the proposed millage rate for general county purposes. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that it passes unanimously. Um, Commissioner Holness moves resolution number 2019-562, seconded by Commissioner Ryan, adopting the revised tentative budget for the general county purposes. All in favor say aye. All of those say no, show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the general countywide millage rate and budget is now closed. Next, we will be talking about the Broward Municipal Service District millage and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Broward Municipal Service District to provide funds for municipal level services in the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 2.3353, which represents a 9.27% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 2.1372. The county administrator will give an overview of the millage and budget for the Broward Municipal Services District. Thank you, Mayor. The Broward Services, uh, Broward Municipal Service District millage rate remains the same for FY20. The growth in the property tax roll reflects the investment the county has made in the Broward Municipal Service District. This is one of our good news stories. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $3 more than the year prior based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Uh, seeing no speakers or having no speaker cards on this topic, I'm now going to come back to the take comments from the commission, if there are any. Yes. Uh, Vice Mayor Holness. Yeah, let, let me uh, again compliment uh, our staff, uh, Ralph Stone and um, uh, Economic Development Department for what we've done to increase uh, the construction of new homes in this area. And we're undertaking now an effort to improve the commercial developments uh, facade improvements and others so we can increase the value there. Uh, the, on, the Broward Municipal Service District uh, is one that uh, over the years we've had a tough time doing all that we would like to do for those residents. Uh, but, but here's a little bit of relief in that we're seeing uh, some increase in, in, in values, not necessarily just from the properties that are there, but also from the new developments that we have put in. So. Uh, kudos to our staff for working together to ensure that we're doing this. And the re res residents of the community are benefiting tremendously in the improved uh, stock for uh, housing that's there and increased uh, value in terms of the, the tax rate that we're, the tax base being improved. Okay, uh, no, with no further comments, um, Commissioner Udeen moves resolution number 2019-563, seconded by Commissioner Geller, establishing the proposed millage rate for the, for the Broward Municipal Service District. All in favor, say aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that it passed unanimously. Commissioner Fisher moves resolution number 2019-564, seconded by Commissioner Rich, adopting the tentative budget for the Broward Municipal Service District. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Broward Municipal Service District millage rate and budget is now closed. 
Next, we're talking about the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District millage rate and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District to provide funds for fire rescue services in the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 2.6191, which represents a 9.27% increase in property taxes as compared with a roll, rolled back rate of 2.3970. The county administrator will give an overview of the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District tax rate. The fire, the fire Rescue Municipal Service District millage rate remains the same for FY20. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $3 more than the year prior based on the increase in property values, which are also capped by Save Our Homes. Thank you, County Administrator, for that in-depth uh, analysis. Um, seeing that there's no speakers uh, to speak on this, I now will take comments from our uh, County Commissioners. Uh, you guys want to keep... Nope, seeing no comments. Uh, Commissioner Ryan moves resolution number 2019-565, seconded by Commissioner Furr, establishing the proposed millage rate for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. Commissioner Holness moves resolution number 2019-566, seconded by Commissioner Sharif, adopting the tentative budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District millage rate and budget is now closed. Next, we'll talk about the Street Lighting District millage and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Street Lighting District to provide funds for street lights in portions of the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this, for this purpose is 0.3743, which represents an 11.28% increase in property taxes as compared with the rollback rate of 0.3364. The county administrator will give an in-depth uh, overview of the street lighting district tax rate. The street lighting district tax rate remains the same for FY20. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately the same amount as the prior year due to property values capped by Save Our Homes. Thank you for that in-depth analysis, County Administrator. Um, seeing no speakers of the public, I'm going to bring it back now to the County Commission. Does the County Commissioners have anything to add? I'm sorry. <laughs> Looking at those faces. Okay, well, Commissioner Geller, thank you, moves resolution number 2019-567, seconded by Commissioner Rich, establishing the proposed millage rate for the street lighting district. All in favor say aye. aye. Many opposed? Show that pass unanimously. Commissioner Udine moves resolution number 2019-568, seconded by Commissioner Fisher, adopting the tentative budget for the street lighting district budget. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that passes unanimously. The public hearing on the street lighting district millage rate and budget is now closed. Next, we're gonna talk about the fire assessment for Broward Municipal Services District. The public hearing is open on the proposed special assessment within the Fire Municipal Services District. This non-ad valorem assessment provides funds for fire services in the unincorporated area. The county administrator will give a extensive Overview of the proposed fire, <laughs> non-ad valorem. Mayor, the fire assessment. I'm sorry, reads. I'm not done. Non-ad valorem assessment. You're more than welcome to 
Fire assessment rates remain the same for FY2020. Austin. <laughs> okay, let me go on. It was a one sentence analysis. That's what I don't know what hit me. Okay, uh, seeing that there's no public, uh, no speakers from the public, bring it back to the county commission. Any uh, comments? <laughs> All right. Commissioner Furr moves resolution number 2019-569, seconded by Commissioner Holness, establishing special assessment rates. With <laughs> Would you tell him, tell him to stop? I, I got to get him away from me. Okay, establishing special Fair assessment stop. rates within the Fire Municipal Service District. All in favor say aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect it passes unanimously. The, the public hearing on the fire special assessment is now closed. Next going to garbage and trash collection assessment for the Broward Municipal Service District. The public hearing is now open on the proposed special assessment within the garbage and trash collection municipal service district. The county administrator will give an overview of the proposed non-antholarum assessment rate. The single family homes and multifamily complexes with nine units or less that pay this assessment will not experience any change for FY2020. Uh, uh, seeing no uh, speakers from the public, bringing it back to the county commission. Any commissioners have any comments? Seeing none, uh, Commissioner Holness moves resolution number 2019-570, seconded by Commissioner Sharif, establishing the special assessment rate within the garbage and trash municipal service district. All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that it passed unanimously. The public hearing on the garbage and trash special assessment is now closed. That was a tough one. Water control district number two, millage and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for water control district number two. The proposed millage rate for this pur purpose is 0.1231, which represents a 6.58% increase in property taxes as compared with a rolled back rate of 0.1155. The first speaker on the water control district, and uh, there is no speakers uh, on the public for that, bringing back to the county commission. Any, any comments from the county commissioners? Seeing none. Uh, Commissioner Furr moves resolution uh, number 2019-571, seconded by Commissioner Rich, establishing the proposed millage rate for the water control district number two. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. Commissioner Fisher moves resolution number 2019-572, seconded by Commissioner Udine, adopting the tentative budget for the water control district number two budget. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that that passes unanimously. The public hearing on the water control district number two millage rate and budget is now closed. Next will be the water control district number three millage and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for water control district number three. The proposed millage rate is 0.1624, which represents a 6.7% increase in property taxes as compared with the rollback rate of 0.1522. Seeing no speakers from the public, bring it back to the county commission. Do we have any comments from our county commissioners? It's so nice seeing no comments. Um, Commissioner Rich. Uh, Commissioner Rich moves resolution number 2019-573, seconded by Commissioner Geller, establishing the proposed millage rate for control, water control district number three. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that passes unanimously. 
Next, Commissioner Geller again moves resolution number 2019-574, seconded by Commissioner Ryan, adopting the tentative budget for the Water Control District number three budget. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Water Control District number three millage rate and budget is now closed. Water Control District number four millage and budget. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Water Control District number four and three sub-districts. The proposed millage rate for the sub-district 4A is 0.0146, which represents a 5.8% increase in property taxes as compared with a rolled back rate of 0.0138. The proposed millage rate for the sub-district 4B is 0.0318, which represents a 5.65% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.0301. The proposed millage rate for sub-district 4C is 0.1276, which represents a 5.11% increase in property taxes as compared with the rollback rate of 0.1214. That was said on one breath. Uh, seeing no uh, speakers from the public, um, bringing it back to the uh, commission, do we have any county commissioners that would like to talk uh, just to hear yourself talk? No, you don't want to hear yourself talk. Okay. Commissioner Sharif moves resolution number 2019-575, seconded by Commissioner Furr, establishing the proposed millage rate for Water Control District number four and its sub-districts. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Uh, any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. Next, Commissioner Ryan moves resolution number 2019-576, seconded by Commissioner Holness adopting the tentative budget for Water Control District number four and its sub-districts. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that that passes unanimously. The public hearing on the Water Control District number four, millage rates and budgets is now closed. Next is the Kokomar Water Control District millage and budget. Can I do that I'll put you in queue right there. Uh, the Kokomar Water... What if we just don't fund this one and we just let the we just don't fund the Kokomar? What do we? Uh, okay, we will we'll we'll behave. Next, uh, the public hearing is open in the, on the proposed millage rate and the tentative budget for unit area number one of the Kokomar Water Control District. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 0.1446, which represents a 4.63% increase in property taxes as compared with a rolled back rate of 0.1382. Seeing no speakers from the public, bring it back to the county commissioners. Does anybody want to hear themselves speak? Um, and, and see, Commissioner Udeen, did you say you wanted to say something? Okay. Okay, Commissioner Ryan uh, moves resolution number 2019-577, seconded by Commissioner Udeen, establishing the proposed millage rate for air, unit area number one of the Kokomar Water Control District. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that it passes unanimously. Um, uh, next, Co Commissioner Sharif moves resolution number 2019-578, seconded by Commissioner Rich, adopting the tentative budget for the Kokomar Water Control District. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect the passage unanimously. The public hearing on the Kokomar Water Control District millage rate and budget is now closed. There will be a public hearing to finalize the county's millage rates and budgets at 5.01 p.m. on September 24th at the Broward County Governmental Center, room 422 at 115 South Andrews Avenue in Fort Lauderdale. This concludes the Broward County public hearing to adopt tentative budgets, tax rates, and final assessment rates for fiscal year 2020 
thank you for attending the Broward County Board of County Commissioners public here to the room filled with an audience. Thank everybody for attending our uh, this hearing and uh, I believe we completed. This meeting is now adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.